Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. Mahomes pump faking. Now fires it late for the end zone. Caught! Chiefs lead 12 to 3. This is the press box. Johnson under center. On second down. Johnson fakes. He's back. Reddick's got him again. Another sack for Reddick. Down to the 10 yard line. With Grady and Bischoff. This is something to dream about as a kid, and uh, all these guys on our team have dreamed, dreamt about this their entire lives, too. And so just to be able to do this together with a bunch of men that love each other, that are connected to each other, that would do anything for each other, it's very sweet. On ESPN Las Vegas. Sounds like the studio connected together, we'll do anything for each other. A bunch of men. Are Good we, times. Are we connected? <laughs> I'll tell you what's not connected, the doorstop on the door yeah, anymore. It used great. to be a doorstop attached to our door into the studio. You know, you could prop it open, come in this morning, try to flip it down. Doesn't exist anymore. Broken clean off the door at some point yesterday. And Danny was here till two, right? Two yeah, yeah, about two, maybe maybe a little before two. And you left and you're sure there was a doorstop there? Yeah, because it was in the process of being used as I was walking out the door. <laughs> Did you somehow kick it off as you closed the door? I don't think so. <laughs> We're not going to blame you. We can't even blame Jared because he's not here. Uh, and in a way, we want to. Yeah, it's, uh, it's still Jared's fault. If he was here, it would have never happened. would have not been a problem. But yeah, yeah, we're supposed to get this studio remodeled at some point. I think so. I think we're supposed to move over to where um, Raider Nation Radio is right now. Well, I, so I actually got updated, kind of updated news, at least news that I didn't know. Break it for us. Breaking news. Apparently, that's like their their new studio, their full-time studio. So where are they going to put us? So I think when this is being redone, we're probably going to use the old Raider studio, which is now the studio that is over in the other building. It's moving over to this one. And everybody listening has no clue what we're talking no, about. No, not, not a clue. The important part is our door might be broken and paneling has fallen off the wall in the last two months and they're supposed to be remodeling it. So hopefully soon. The first bite. Who is going to win the Super Bowl and why is it the Chiefs? <laughs> I added that last part. Are we making our picks? You want to go ahead? Yeah, Chiefs. I am gonna regret this, but the Eagles are winning the Super Bowl. Why are you gonna regret it? Because I'm picking against Patrick Mahomes. Oh, it's but not the, like you have rooting Eagles, interest in either. No, not really. I'm I'm rooting in what I'm gonna bet on for my profits. But I I think the Eagles win the Super Bowl. I think this is the most complete team in the NFL, and they've been that way the entire season. They're one of the best rushing teams. They have had a very effective and efficient passing game. To be fair, they haven't had to win a lot of games by passing, which if Kansas City can jump out to, you know, a two touchdown lead in the second quarter, then maybe that changes for Philadelphia. But the Eagles have been very effective passing and they're one of the top five defenses in the league. The only real problem with the Eagles is that their run defense was average this year. Their pass defense was phenomenal. Their pass rush was the best in the NFL. The only issue is their run defense was average, and I don't think that's going to hurt you against the Chiefs. You can be an average run defense and be a good team, You can and you can be an average run defense against Kansas City because 
sure, Pacheco might have a big run or Jarek McKinnon or Clyde Edwards-Alaire might have a decent game or something, but you're probably not losing the Super Bowl because Isaiah Pacheco ran for 47 and a half yards yeah. or something like that. It's Whatever the be, prop is. Right. And I think it's around 47 and a half is. yards. Uh, so that's not going to be the reason you lose the Super Bowl, most likely. So I think it's the Eagles just because they are the most complete team. And like we've talked about before, the whole how does each team win the game? It feels like the Kansas City Chiefs path to victory is Patrick Mahomes being incredible, which he is. And that's why I feel bad about picking the Eagles because there's every chance in the world Mahomes is incredible. But I feel like that's the only way Kansas City wins. Whereas Philadelphia, they might beat Kansas City because their pass rush creates three turnovers or They might beat Philadelphia because the running game runs for 175 yards, or they might beat Phil or beat Kansas city because the passing game rips off two or three chunk plays to AJ Brown. And that changes the game. I just feel like Philadelphia has more paths to victory. Whereas Kansas city, it's all about is Patrick Mahomes going to be the best player. MVP. He is. And there's every, listen, every chance he does. I just feel like that's the only way Kansas city wins while Philadelphia can can Jalen Hurts can play poorly and Philadelphia win the Super Bowl? The Eagles cannot really have a great pass rush and still win the Super Bowl. For Kansas City, their one great player has to be great. Both have good pass rushes, though. They do. They were one and two in sacks yeah. this year. Now the difference was seventy to like fifty-five. There was a big no, gap a, between a big gap between KC. them. But they were one and two in in total sacks this season, and I think, and pressures. I think that's going to be maybe the the key to the entire game is whose pass rush is better. And the the other the other part of pass rush here is do you actually sack the quarterback? Because Mahomes is phenomenal under pressure. Right. And he can avoid a lot that right. other people wouldn't and get sacked. Like the numbers this year, Philly led the league with 70 sacks. Kansas City was second with 55. But Kansas City only allowed 26 sacks this season, whereas Philly allowed 44 Kansas city allowed 26 sacks because Pat Mahomes Mahomes is so good at either identifying or just avoiding yeah, pressure. the rush. And that to me is so who wins this game? Philly's got the best pass rush in the league, but they're playing the quarterback that maybe is one of the toughest to sack in the entire league. I, I think Philadelphia is going to get some pressure on Mahomes. But do they actually bring him down? Do they actually force him to the ground? Or, best case scenario for Philly, do they force some turnovers, right? Do they get an interception because of pressure? Do they hit him as he's about to throw and get a fumble? And if they can do that once or twice, that's probably enough to swing the game, even though Mahomes is going to, I think, for the most part, be pretty good at avoiding the sacks and making plays. Yeah, I can't vote. I, I'm with you. I know what you're talking about and all those numbers and stats. I just can't. I just can't. Go against Patrick Mahomes I, in the com, Super Bowl. I get it. I com, I feel bad I about can't. picking the Eagles right now because it's Patrick Mahomes, and I've the guy's been great for his entire career, right. and he's been great in pretty much every game this season. So I think that's uh, it's not a wrong pick. I don't think it's stupid to say, yeah, Mahomes is going to be great. The other part about the Chiefs, and this is just purely anecdotal on my part. I don't even have any numbers to back this up. Watching the Chiefs play. This year, it felt like there were a lot of games where they sort of went into cruise control. That's true, and, especially in the second half. And like they, yes. they'll have a big quarter or a big half, and 
often that's enough, right? Right. You score 28 points and a half. That is true. You're usually going to win the game. But it does feel like Kansas City has gone into cruise control, and maybe it's not just them going into cruise control. Maybe it's a matter of, oh, they just can't sustain that incredible efficiency for an entire game. And I think Philadelphia is good enough that if Kansas City has a completely down quarter, they lose the game because of it. I can't tell you how many times people said, even after they won, they just don't look their best. Yeah. Like, in the second half, especially the season, like so many people would say, oh, yeah, they won again, but they just, they always said they can, you know, they've got an extra gear. They can look right. better. They can play better. And maybe they hit that extra gear and they play great this entire game and it's Kansas City by 20, right? And you're like, Patrick Holmes, geez, best we've yeah. ever seen. Who's Tom Brady? Or maybe it's a fact of you can't play that well for an entire game very often, and they play one of the best teams in the league, and it doesn't happen. You're suggesting that it could happen where an AFC West team blows a two-score No, no, never. You're suggesting that. I don't know why. The Raiders would never do that. The (laughs) Chargers would never do it in the postseason. The Broncos never did it because they never scored twice I don't think they were ever up two scores. (laughs) Were they? Uh Maybe they barely like, scored 18 points right, a game. I was going to say, the first, like, 12 games of the season, Were they, they broke 20, 10-0? like, once. So they probably weren't up by more than six or seven yeah. in very many games this year. So that's, uh, yeah, everybody but the Broncos might be blowing those leads. Have you seen the 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 false start drama around On the Eagles? Well, it hasn't just been the Eagles. But the Eagles are getting attention for it because they're in the Super Bowl and nobody else is. But it's why, if you go back to the Chargers blowing that game, it's why Joey Bosa was so upset, why he was slamming his helmet, is because he was complaining to the refs that the Jags tackles were were getting a jump before the ball was actually snapped. And it's become this people are showing every snap in slow motion. Sports Illustrated did a story on Lane Johnson, the Eagles right tackle, about how he is so good at moving before the ball is actually snapped, but he does it within a window of time where the refs don't call it or really can't recognize it and call it. And the story goes into like how he's been playing with Jason Kelsey, the center for so long that he just like completely understands when it's going to be snapped Kelsey's movements. Like he knows when Kelsey moves his head a certain way, he's like, all right, the snap is imminent or something like that. And He's also got a comfort level with Jalen Hurts or that Jalen Hurts knows that Lane Johnson is going to do this. So he's not going to just randomly sort of change the snap count or cadence or anything like that. But basically, Lane Johnson, the Eagles right tackle, moves before the snap on every single play. But it's so close to the snap that it's almost like the delay a game penalty yes. where refs it goes down to zero and, and half the time they it. don't even call right. it. I'm fascinated to see because it's gotten so much attention. Are the refs looking for it, and do they call Lane Johnson for a false start? I'm thinking yes, because I'm thinking they have heard about these stories and have heard about it, and probably not a lot, but they're probably eyeing him just to get one one call out of, of it, so they try to slow him down from doing it. He got called for three false starts the entire season, according to the Sports Illustrated story. I am very curious to see if they call one on like the Eagles opening drive, right? They call a false start on him. Just to put it in there. Does that screw him up at all? Like if he's got this time, if he's had this timing it's the down Super for Bowl, years, and I don't think he wants too many penalties. Right. So. If he's got this timing down for years in one of the first drives, they're like, oh, you can't do that anymore. Right. That could mess him up. I'm I, I'm that fascinated to up. see if something that's got. But I think he then I think it then gets in his head. 
Right, because it's the Super Bowl, and right. you don't want a bunch of false starts. You don't want to set the record for individual you penalties False starts in, game, in the Super Bowl. <laughs> which would be funny. Danny's fist pumping. Danny, later in the show, we're going to get to your prop bets, but I'm guessing you have a penalty prop bet based on your fist pump. Don't answer that right now. Don't do it. So it's a it's a it's something that's been hyper-fixated on that I'm guessing a lot of tackles around the league do it, but uh, we're paying more attention because there's only two teams left playing, right? and the Eagles have one that do it. So we'll see if Lane Johnson gets called for a false start and we'll see if that has any effect on the offensive line or the chiefs pass rush coming up next here on ESPN, Las Vegas, Ben Brown joins the show. He's the only guest who says, have a good show. Wow. He's a data scientist. I guess he's slumming PFF's Ben Brown joins Grady and Bischoff on the press box. Good morning, Ben. What's up, fellas? Happy Friday. I mean, we got one more football game left. Best day of the year to talk to you, Ben. I'm excited about this. Do you think if I give you random prop bets that I look at, you could give us advice on whether to bet either side or completely ignore it? I definitely could. I I think that's, you know, definitely within my wheelhouse. That's what basically I've been doing the last two weeks anyway. (laughs) So I've I've probably already looked at most of them. Okay. So, uh, Circus Sports has this one, and it's one of my favorite ones that I've seen. It's just, which will be greater? Travis Kelsey receiving yards or Jason Kelsey snaps played? And Travis Kelsey is minus 165. Yeah, I do think that's probably a pretty heavy lean in Travis Kelsey's direction. I think you're looking at probably like 60 to 65 offensive snaps played for you know Jason Kelsey, which is well below... Um, you know, Travis Kelsey's prop number even right now. And it, it very much seems to be setting up like they they do need, I would say, Travis Kelsey to kind of win his matchup in order to be really successful. So I, I'm definitely leaning in the in Travis's direction with that particular prop for sure. Uh, what are some of the ones you like most? I mean, that you've, you saw right away and you put money down right away. Yeah, I mean, I do think we uh, could see a little bit of a choppy start. So I do still lean pretty heavily on the under you know, like 24 and a half. I think you're getting pretty decent, you know, uh, price opportunity on that right now, sitting right above the key number. So I like that one quite a bit. I do think Patrick Mahomes has a really clean game, so I'm expecting him to not throw an interception. Um, you know, I, I think that's a really good bet. I think if, you know, no, no matter what way you kind of project this game to play out, I do think there are probably two or three really popular narratives, and that's kind of the assumption for how that game plays out. But it, it very much is going to still be, a, a, you know, kind of a Patrick Mahomes clean type game. I don't think he's going to turn the ball over whatsoever. So I like him to stay under. I like. I also like him kind of in, in this coming from behind setting to probably go over his passing yardage number. So I do think him, you know, 300-plus passing yards, you know, it is a pretty uh, viable betting option as well, and that does kind of tie into, you know, the, the, the Travis Kelsey, Jason Kelsey prop that we just discussed as well. I'm guessing you're taking overs on Mahomes' completion numbers. I think it's 26 yeah, and a half. So, yeah, so I've seen some 25 and a half, some 26 and a half. Yeah, I do, I do think it is, you know, probably more of like the, the dip and dunk underneath type stuff, very much the direction that their offense has gone and, and has been really successful at, especially if Mahomes is at all limited with the ankle injury. We might see one or two, you know, deep shots, but outside of that, I think it's going to be a lot of completions underneath. You know, running backs and tight ends, 
Uh, and then I guess Juju on some three to five yard screens and stuff like that. Three to five yard outs, maybe Kadarius Tony on some bubble screens, but I'm not expecting them to, I would say, probably attack the, the middle, the deep part of the field, um, you know, all that often. But I do think they can definitely be successful kind of, you know, getting balls underneath and then potentially making some things happen after the catch. Is it too uh, easy to say Jalen Hurts rushing attempts will go over? Is he going to run the ball a lot? So uh, this it is a good, it is a really good question. I do think you know outside of the quarterbacks, like the key to the game for me is very much how you know Frank Clark and George Kloskis kind of handle that edge situation specifically in run defense and, and very much trying to contain him in the pocket. If there are read you know read options, basically. Uh, they can't allow Jalen Hurts to kind of break contain. So I think if that's successful early, that's really going to be the bread and butter of the Philadelphia Eagles defense or Eagles offense. But if they're kind of able to at least contain, you know, contain Hurts, not let him kind of break that edge contain, you know, that's going to be the situation where he's handing the ball off more. Maybe he fits in closer to, you know, the rush attempts there. But I think looking back at the conference championship game, obviously the game script from both of their playoff games probably isn't going to be all that relevant to this particular matchup, but it, it did seem like the shoulder injury wasn't really all that concerning for him from a rushing perspective, but missing some of the easier throws, I would say, because of that shoulder injury, I think, could see you know a, a decently big uptick in them relying on his rushing ability, especially if they are playing from ahead. So I, I think you probably lean over on that one. Uh, but it is a spot that very much seems you know, somewhat game script dependent, I would say. So we have the number one and number two teams in the league in the regular season in total sacks, but Mahomes is one of the harder quarterbacks to sack in the league only 26 times this year. And there's a chance, like you just said, that Kansas City might play a little bit more contain on Jalen Hurts than actually go straight after him. Are you going under on any sack uh, totals in this game? I, I do think so. Kind of, and, and a lot of it probably is the Patrick Mahomes angle and the fact that he is so good at kind of negating these high, high negative EPA type plays and not really taking a ton of bad sacks. I do think that's kind of been, you know, the big differentiator from where he was at in years past, probably trying to create plays for far too long. Now he is just kind of, you know, willing to throw the football away and, and kind of willing to live for the next down. So I think you see probably a reduction in sacks from that perspective. And then, you know, if the Eagles defense or Eagles offense line is as good as, you know, we all indicate they are and how good they've actually played this season, I don't see, you know, the Chiefs really able, I would say, to kind of bring pressure without manufacturing it through some blitzes. And I just don't think they're going to be wanting to kind of blitz Jalen Hurts and especially in some of those high leverage type situations. So I think we do see them kind of sit back in this cover two shell, which they've ran quite a bit. I think they run cover two at the third highest rate in football. Like I, I think they are going to kind of sit, sit there and kind of, you know, play in their gaps in their zone and very much trying to have, you know, Hurts forced to beat them kind of underneath and maybe not pressure him as much as they should. So I, I do lean under from a sacks department. Um, and I think that, that that has to kind of influence, you know, any outside chance of a defensive player potentially winning MVP as well. Uh, opinion on uh, big games or not between Pacheco and Sanders? I think it's I think it's kind of Isaiah Pacheco. I I I very much have been intrigued with what he's been able to do, especially you know after contact specifically in both the running and the passing game. You know, it's still very much Jarek McKinnon in the in the in the, in the two minute drill in the third and long type situations. But outside of that, it very much seems to be Pacheco's backfield. And I think that early, 
if the Chiefs do get out to an early lead, we're going to see a heavy dose of him. Even if they don't, you know, get out to an early lead, and maybe they are trying to claw back from an Eagles, you know, quality start. Like I still think Pacheco is going to get his carries, and then it's also going to be involved in the running game. So I, I like him quite a bit more. I think if you were choosing somebody from the Eagles' backfield, it does seem like even though some of it was definitely in a blowout setting, like Kenneth Gainwell has earned opportunities in that backfield, and I do think that means that you know Miles Sanders might be involved early on, and then that might be, for the most part, the extent to which we see him, I would say, for the rest of the game. Uh, Non-quarterback, have you bet or would you bet on anybody else to win MVP? I wouldn't. I, I, and I kind of just mentioned it. Like I, I think, you know, if it's another offensive player, there has been a little bit of precedent for, you know, what a, what a skill position player has to do to actually win it. But it, it, in any of those scenarios, I very much still think the quarterback probably ends up with it because they're very much going to be a big part of that overall offensive performance. So then you kind of look defensively. And if you don't see the, you know, the, the gaudy sack totals from any one player and you don't see probably multiple interceptions from a defensive back, it's just really hard to find anybody probably worth betting even at their current odds. So I, I think you definitely still lean quarterback, even though it's very much, you know, the, the expectation at this point. But there's just, I, I would say, not a viable or enough viable pass to see anybody else win it outside of Jalen Hurts or Patrick Mahomes right now. Uh, who are you betting on? Are you betting on somebody to score the first touchdown? Uh, that is a good question. I actually haven't bet uh, that particular market. I know Travis Kelsey is like the, the, the public's favorite. Um, it, it's tough because I do think like the, the approach or the way in which we kind of see the first couple of drives play out are very much going to dictate how this, that whole game plays out. Um, and, and in some ways I've gone back and forth too much if I do expect the, the Eagles to kind of get off to a decent start. But if you do kind of expect that from the Eagles, um, going back to it, I do think Miles Sanders will get all the opportunities kind of on that opening play script for the most part uh, and is going to get the work near the goal line as well. And I do think, you know, the, the expectation that Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell are involved will very much happen, but hasn't really been happening at the outset of the game. So I think, like, if you're targeting him specifically, the first touchdown prop, more so than, like, an anytime touchdown prop, I think makes a lot of sense. So I'd probably actually lean, you know, in, in Miles Sanders' direction to potentially get you know, a, a cheap one and then see what happens from there. Do you have a pick? I've, I've been on Eagles for the last two weeks. Everyone's been telling me I'm wrong. And, and in some ways, like they, they, the, the script or whatever for how they're going to arrive at winning is very conduced to only a couple scenarios. So I'm probably getting more bearish on the Eagles outlook just because there's so many scenarios where Patrick Mahomes could win this game outright. And there's, there's a few scenarios where, you know, the, the Eagles never really get started and the, and, and the Chiefs blow them out as well. But even if the Chiefs are playing from behind, like, they're never going to be out of it like the Eagles potentially would be. So uh, I, I think, like, and I'm switching a little bit of my allegiance, and I do have some Eagles futures that kind of been the hesitancy for how I'm going to approach this game all week. But uh, I very much think where I'm at now, I'm probably going to be hedging some of those futures and betting uh, on the Kansas City Chiefs because I do think they are looking – you know, more and more probably like the correct side as we head towards kickoff. Well, he is Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus. Ben, as always, we appreciate Enjoy it. Enjoy the game, Ben. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the game. So there's Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus on some prop bet ideas. We've got Danny here later in the show. We're unfortunately going to ask Danny what his prop bets are. I'm, I'm guessing at least we're going to get some good, ridiculous bets out of you, Danny. Yes, and if... <laughs> If you would like me to text you after either 
today or tomorrow, I'm going to have even more. They're going to be fun. Fantastic. Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, Chris Canty joins the show. Chris, a throw. Gets hit and gets sacked by Chris Canty at the 22-yard line. Takes the snap. He's back to throw. He looks to his left. Now he gets hit from behind and sacked. One-handed sack by Chris Canty, the former Cowboy, back at the 34-yard line. Takes the snap, he's back to throw. Slides to his right, now rolls left, runs out of one tackle, and then gets sacked by Chris Canty, the former Cowboy. Canty with his fourth sack of the season. Hand off Green Ellis, he gets hit behind the line and gets knocked down by Chris Canty for a loss of a yard. You're on the elevator up to the press box with Graney and Bischoff. Joining us now, Chris Canty. You heard some of his highlights there. He's also the host of Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio every day, uh, starting at 12 Pacific time out here in Vegas. How are you, Canty? I'm good, Ed Tyler. Appreciate you guys having me on the show. Yes, we are. We are glad to have you. So I'm curious, as somebody who played on the defensive line, uh, we saw Joey Bosa get really mad during the Chargers playoff loss because he thought the Jags tackles were moving right before the snap. There have been a couple stories, a lot of videos on uh, the Eagles doing it with Jason Thomas, or excuse me, Lane Johnson as well. As a defensive lineman, uh, how, how do you view that, where the tackles might be mute, uh, moving a split second before the ball is actually snapped? You don't love it, but as a defensive lineman, I'm getting off on whatever moves first, right? So if it's the ball, if it's the tackle, I'm moving. I'm rolling. And so it, you don't love the idea of the tackles being able to jump the snap, but as a defensive lineman, we're trying to do the same thing. Um, sometimes we get a bead on the cadence of the quarterback, the, 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 uh, the, the cadence of the operation. Sometimes it comes down to the play clock winding down. Defensive linemen try to take advantage of whatever we have available to us in order to have the very best get off. So I get why Joey Bosa feels a way about it, but at the same time, it's like if the tackle's getting off a half a second before the stab of the ball, then you should be too. You ever spike your helmet during a game? No, nah, that never happened. I'm all good <laughs> on spiking the helmet. I actually need my lid to go out there and do my job. So I, I ain't doing all of that, fellas. Uh, if we look ahead to the Super Bowl on Sunday, uh, Hassan Reddick obviously had a big season. Chris Jones has been great. Is there an edge rusher you think is going to have the best game on Sunday? Yeah, I think it's going to be Frank Clark. And, and I, you know, with all the attention that Chris Jones is garnering, remember this guy was a finalist for defensive player of the year. We saw the impact that he had in the conference championship game against the Bengals. With all of the attention, the constant double teams that he's faced, I think that's going to free up, you know, George Karloftis and Frank Clark to have some one-on-ones against those Eagles tackles. And if we consider this, Frank Clark, he's got two and a half sacks already this postseason, and he's the active career leader in playoff sacks. So this is a guy that's shown that he can get after it in the biggest moments on the biggest stages that the game has to offer. So I'm thinking Frank Clark has an opportunity to impact the game as a pass rusher. But we all know defensive linemen have to earn the right to rush the passer, which means – you got to stop the Eagles' run game on first and second down. Can that happen, Chris? Uh, Chiefs are Philly number one in rushing offense this year. I mean, can KC 16th in rushing defense? Can that happen? 
Yeah, I can because I think that their defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnola, who I know well from his time with the Giants and the Ravens, he's going to talk. He's going to talk the Philadelphia Eagles out of running the football. And what I mean by that is put a lot of guys in the box, a lot of guys in proximity to the line of scrimmage, eight-man fronts, nine-man fronts, and force them to use other facets of their offense, the downfield passing game against tight man coverage, in order to beat the Kansas City Chiefs defense. If you go back to their matchup back in, uh, I think it was week three of 2021, it wasn't the Eagles' run game that kept them in that matchup. It was the Eagles throwing the ball. Jalen Hurts in that game had over 30 completions. He had 387 yards passing and two touchdowns to no picks. So I think it's going to be a situation where Spags puts the game on Jalen Hurts' right shoulder rather than putting the game on Jalen Hurts' legs and on the offensive line in the run game. Does Travis Kelsey have a big game? Is he good enough that despite what I kind of assume is going to be a lot of attention from Philly's defense, is he still going to be able to have a big game in the Super Bowl? Yeah, I think Kelsey will have a pretty big game because he's the number one receiver for the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. And so I think it's ultimately going to end up being, um, you know, Travis Kelsey and Pat Mahomes being on the same page, being able to find those empty voids in the zones that Philadelphia is going to run out there and taking advantage of them. And we know even in man coverage, Travis Kelsey is a master at being able to uncover and Pat Mahomes will buy that extra second in order to get him the football. Think back to the conference championship game on that first fourth down where Pat Mahomes finds Travis Kelsey for a touchdown. Like those are the situations that those two guys have been able to be on the same page at. They have a lot of chemistry, a lot of rapport. Um, and so even when it comes to opportunities outside of the structure of the offense, they find a way to make it happen. So I do believe Travis Kelsey has a big game. And quite frankly, guys, if the Chiefs are going to have any chance against the Eagles, they're going to need Kelsey to have a big game. Uh, if all the numbers go to Philly, if all the rankings and, you know, uh, number one in this and one number one in that, is it easiest to say is, yeah, but they don't have Patrick Mahomes? Yes. Because think about it. If we're talking about the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl on Monday, it's going to be because Pat Mahomes does something otherworldly. It's going to be because he has to be special. If you look at the two rosters, the Eagles have the more talented locker room. And so I think it's about Pat Mahomes' ability to be a force multiplier to elevate the play of those around him. Uh, so I think that's what has to happen in order for Kansas City to be in this game, to make it close in the fourth quarter and potentially come out on the winning side. Another aspect of this is the coaching advantage. And even though I think Nick Sirianni is a fine coach, he's not Andy Reid. Andy Reid has 100-plus wins with two separate franchises, the only coach in the NFL to do that. This guy's been in a lot of conference championship games. I think he's been in 10 conference championship games, and this is his third Super Bowl, I mean, this is, uh, his third Super Bowl with the Chiefs. So I, I think this is a situation that Andy Reid is going to have to also help make the difference in, in terms of closing the, 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 the talent gap or the talent disparity between the two rosters. Chris Canty with us. He played and won the Super Bowl back in 2012. And I'm curious, if you look back on that, before the game, what was the best and what was the worst part about the lead-up to the Super Bowl? Um, 
the worst part about it is just the time, right? I mean, it's the game of your life, and you're just sitting around all day waiting. And even at halftime, you're just sitting around waiting. Halftime's like an hour. <laughs> so you're just in the locker room waiting, you know what I mean? And we're used to halftime being, you know, 15 minutes and we're back on the field. So this is a little bit different in terms of the, the logistics of the day and the actual game. So I think when you start talking about players, we're all creatures of habit. We like things to be at set times and all this and that. Guys don't have 6.30 kickoffs during the regular season. It just doesn't happen. You know, you, you play at 1 o'clock, you play at 4 o'clock, or you play at 8 o'clock or 8.30 at Monday Night Football. You don't play a game where there's a 6.30 kickoff, so it's a weird time of day, and you don't have an hour halftime. So I think that's the toughest part um, when it comes to the lead-up and the actual game. Do you remember who played the halftime show in 2012? I no, no idea. No <laughs> it was, idea. It was Madonna. No idea. It was Madonna. <laughs> yes. Okay. I, so my parents and my family enjoyed a really good halftime show, I'm presuming. <laughs> I'm, presuming. I'm in the locker room riding a damn exercise bike trying to stay warm. <laughs> Chris Canty with us again. Uh, Canty and Carlin every day on ESPN Radio uh, at noon Pacific time. So I did want to ask you one question before we let you go away from the Super Bowl. Derek Carr former Raiders quarterback or soon to be former Raiders quarterback. He met with the saints this week. Does that make sense to you? Does Derek Carr, in New Orleans sound like a good match? Yeah. I mean, if Derek Carr signs up to run with the saints, don't the saints have the best quarterback situation in the NFC South by a long way. Yeah, right? Yes. Yeah. But by a country mile. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I think it's a great fit. They've got a top 10 defense. I want to say their defense was top five this year, actually. And you're talking about a really good offensive line with the developing skill position core around Alvin Kamara and Chris Olave. So I like what the Saints are bringing to the party, guys. I really do. And they're really a quarterback away. Um, so we'll see what they end up doing. If they end up being able to sign Carr, now we're talking about them also having a, a first-round pick now that they've traded Sean Payton. I think the Saints are in position to do some things. Now we'll have to wait and see what the rest of the division does this offseason. Um, but right now, if the Saints were to be able to land Derek Carr, that would be a huge get. Well, he is Chris Canty. Again, it's Canty and Carlin every day at noon Pacific time on ESPN Radio. Uh, Chris, we appreciate your time this morning. Thank you, Chris. All right. Have a good one, guys. Enjoy the big game. Thank you. So, again, there is Chris Canty, uh, noon Pacific on ESPN Radio. Everyone seems to think uh, that we're asking that Carr's a nice fit in New Orleans. I mean... If, you're, if your goal is to win that division, absolutely right. go get Derek Carr because he's better than Blaine Gabbert and P.J. Walker. Yeah. and Oh, and Desmond Ritter, the other one. Makes sense to do it. All right, here's what we're doing today. We got $600 to give away. It's Friday Football Frenzy, sponsored by Dollar Loan Center. We did it in the regular season. We had 600 bucks left over because we didn't have a winner in the final week. So we're giving away that $600 based on picking the winner of Sunday's game. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take caller number nine right now. Caller number nine is just going to pick the winner of the game. If they're correct, caller nine is going to win $600. But later in the show, we're going to have another caller who's going to get the other team and they'll have a shot at $600 as well. So caller number nine right now, call in. All you're going to have to do is pick who you think wins on Sunday and if you pick correctly, you'll win 600 bucks. Caller 9 at 702-364-1100. Harkless front court. Harkless a three straight away. 
it bounces in. Rebels have hit three straight threes and lead 38-33. McCabe back to Harkless. Harkless down the right side. Harkless underneath. Gets fouled and makes the layup. A three-point play opportunity. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. It is Dollar Loan Center Friday Football Frenzy, sponsored by Dollar Loan Center, offering signature loans up to $5,000. Stop by one of their 34 locations in Las Vegas and Henderson. And here's what we're doing. We got $600 left over from the regular season. All we're going to have to do is have somebody correctly pick the winner of the Super Bowl. And on the line now is Ben. Ben, you just got to pick Chiefs or Eagles to win the game. If you get it right, you're going to win $600. Who you got? Um, good morning. I think I'm going to take the Chiefs. All right. All right. So Ben's got Kansas City. If the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, he's going to get 600 bucks. We're going to have another caller later on in the show who is by default going to get the Eagles. And if the Eagles win, that person will win $600. But Ben, you've got the Chiefs. Good luck, Ben. Good luck, Ben. Thank you. Thank you. Go Rebels. So there is Ben and a little bit of a preview for us, a segue from Ben. Did Ben know what we were talking about next? Might have. You might have heard the EJ Harkless highlights. Yeah, there you go. So UNLV plays San Diego State on Saturday. It's a quad one game, by the way, at San Diego State. Uh, Ken Palm projects a 76-66 win for San Diego State. San Diego State won the first matchup, 76-67. Uh, so it's basically the same score there. Uh, how does UNLV beat San Diego State? I think they have to hope San Diego State doesn't shoot well. I think they have to have one of those days, which the Aztecs can certainly do. They can certainly have those days where they go cold from three and they keep jacking them up. Um, I think that would help, and I think it would help if E.J. Harkless continues to play well and someone helps them out. UNLV's offense, when they have a really good game, obviously shooting you know better than 30% helps, but when their offense is really good, it's often because they're getting to the free throw line. And Harkless is the best on the team at that. Keyshawn Gilbert's pretty good at it too, but he doesn't have quite the the same volume of drives that EJ Harkless does. But I think a lot of times UNLV, their defense has been way up and down, so that's another factor as well. But if we're just looking at the offensive side, if their offense is going to be good enough to win, a lot of times it comes down to, is EJ Harkless getting fouled? Is EJ Harkless at the free throw line? And if he is, UNLV's probably having a pretty good day offensively. Yeah, I mean, he's he's the key. And I, like I said, though, he, he can go for 33 and they could lose by 10. Could happen, yeah. I mean, he could <laughs> he could go off like he did against Wyoming. And if no one else is doing anything, it's not Wyoming you're playing anymore. Right. It's the best team in the league. Because outside of Harkless, they shot, I think, 28% yeah. against Wyoming. And if that happens, they are going to lose They're gonna to lose. San Diego State. Uh, because the other, the other part of that San Diego State matchup that – the Aztecs took advantage of was when UNLV switched their centers onto Matt Bradley or even Trammell, San Diego State just shot over the centers because UNLV would back off of them and sort of say, hey, you can shoot three, but we're not letting you drive against Iwaka or Muwaka. UNLV has not been switching their screens, though, with their center until last game. Kevin Kruger went back to switching his center onto uh, into every screen. So I'm curious to see how UNLV handles that because we got a five or six game sample of them not switching their centers. And then against Wyoming, they decided, ah, we'll switch it anyways. I think some of that might've been that they weren't really concerned about Wyoming having a center that was going to post up anybody. Right. And also Hunter Maldonado, their best guard. He's actually good at posting up. So they were like, yeah, we can switch the center onto him. And if he posts up, 
all right, he's posting up our center. So I would assume Kruger goes back to not switching. Well, they have Minson and Ayuk. Right. I assume he goes back to not switching the centers, but we'll see what he does there and how San Diego State tries to take advantage of whatever they do. Here's the Hark- EJ Harkless numbers, though, for his last five games. 24.6 points per game on 14.4 shots and 10.8 free throws per game over the last five. He's shooting 56% on two-pointers. He's shooting 37.5% on threes. He has, for the entire uh, season, he is second in the Mountain West in free throw rate among guards. Hunter Maldonado at Wyoming is the only one that gets to the line more often. Harkless has been excellent over the last five games. And UNLV, by the way, 4-1 and in those with the loss somehow to Fresno State in there. But he's been excellent the last five. And UNLV has been winning games. Now, they've played the bottom half of the Mountain West and all of those except for one against Nevada. But this last five-game stretch to me is a key, a sign, however you want to view this, to UNLV winning the Mountain West. Because if they're going to... The tournament. The tournament, obviously. If they're going to win four games in four days, they need this type of run from Harkless. They need Harkless to give you... 25 points a game, be at the free throw line, shoot it well from three. And we have seen, now granted, they haven't done it against San Diego State or Utah State or Boise State or New Mexico. Nevada was in there. But we've seen for five games, Harkless be awesome. And if he's able to do that on four days in March, UNLV does have a chance to win the Mountain West Tournament. It's a tough ask. It is. Because the other part about Harkless that Mike Grimala brought it up a lot earlier in the season there have been a lot of games where he looks tired at the end, mm-hmm. where they get to the final five minutes and Harkless has had a great game so far, but he's played 30 of the 35 minutes and then they get to the final five and he looks tired and can't close the game very well. If that is reality, Harkless is unlikely to be able to do that on four straight days. It's going to be really, really difficult for Harkless to be that good four straight days because it's not only going to be four straight days, the last two are definitely going to be like, oh, you've got to beat San Diego State and, and Boise, Boise State back to back. And that's going to be really, really difficult. But we have seen it. We have seen if, if they combine their best defensive games from earlier in the season, this five game stretch from EJ Harkless, the pieces are there for them to do it. Just unlikely.